You are listening to a sermon by Ted Hamilton, Senior Pastor of New Life Presbyterian Church in Escondido, California. For more information about New Life, visit us online at newlifepca.com. That's N-E-W-L-I-F-E-P-C-A.com. Now turning to Daniel, our text today in the book of Daniel is perhaps the most famous of all the events uh, recorded in the book of Daniel. It's the account of Daniel and the lion's den. Uh, For the interest of time, we won't read the whole account, but we'll read a lot of it. We're going to read Daniel 1 through 10. It's Daniel 6, 1 through 10, and then Daniel 6, verses uh, 16 through 28. Uh, If you don't have a Bible, it's printed for you in the bulletin. This is God's word. It pleased Darius to set over the kingdom 120 satraps to be throughout the whole kingdom, and over them three high officials, of whom Daniel was one, to whom these satraps should give account, so that the king might suffer no loss. Then this Daniel became distinguished above all the other high officials and satraps, because an excellent spirit was in him, and the king planned to set him over the whole kingdom. Then the high officials and the satraps sought to find a ground for complaint against Daniel with regard to the kingdom, but they could find no ground for complaint or any fault because he was faithful and no error or fault was found in him. Then these men said, we shall not find any ground for complaint against this Daniel unless we find it in connection with the law of his God. Then these high officials and satraps came by agreement to the king and said to him, O King Darius, live forever. All the high officials of the kingdom, the prefects and the satraps, the counselors and the governors are agreed that the king should establish an ordinance and enforce an injunction that whoever makes petition to any god or man for 30 days except to you, O king, shall be cast into the den of lions. Now, O king, establish the injunction and sign the document so that it cannot be changed according to the law of the Medes and the Persians, which cannot be revoked. Therefore, therefore King Darius signed the document and injunction. When Daniel knew that the document had been signed, he went to his house where he had windows in his upper chamber open toward Jerusalem. He got down on his knees three times a day and prayed and gave thanks before his God as he had done previously. Then it goes on. Of course, he is uh, found out. He's uh, arrested, brought before the king who is uh, not happy uh, about uh, Daniel, Daniel's uh, uh, fate. Uh, And we come to verse 16. Then the king commanded, and Daniel was brought and cast into the den of lions. The king declared to Daniel, may your God whom you serve continually deliver you. And a stone was brought and laid on the mouth of the den, and the king sealed it with his own signet and with the signet of his lords, that nothing might be changed concerning Daniel. Then the king went to his palace and spent the night fasting. No diversions were brought to him, and sleep fled from him. Then at break of day, the king arose and went in haste to the den of lions. As he came near to the den where Daniel was, he cried out in a tone of anguish. The king declared to Daniel, O Daniel, servant of the living God, has your God, whom you serve continually, been able to deliver you from the lions? Then Daniel said to the king, O king, live forever. My God sent his angel 
and shut the lion's mouths, and they have not harmed me, because I was found blameless before him and also before you, O king. I have done no harm. Then the king was exceedingly glad and commanded that Daniel be taken up out of the den. So Daniel was taken up out of the den, and no kind of harm was found on him, because he had trusted in his God. And the king commanded, and those men who had maliciously accused Daniel were brought and cast into the den of lions, they, their children, and their wives. And before they reached the bottom of the den, the lions overpowered them and broke all their bones in pieces. Then King Darius wrote to all the peoples, nations, and languages that dwell in all the earth, peace be multiplied to you. I make a decree that in all my royal dominion, people are to tremble and fear before the God of Daniel. For he is the living God, enduring forever. His kingdom shall never be destroyed, and his dominion shall be to the end. He delivers and rescues. He works signs and wonders in heaven and on earth. For he who has saved Daniel from the power of the lions. So this Daniel prospered during the reign of Darius and the reign of Cyrus the Persian. This is God's word. Before we open it up, let's pray. Father, uh, help me this morning to speak truthfully and help all of us, including the preacher, to understand and apply the truth in this text for Jesus' sake. And we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, I've been talking to many of you uh, who tell me that you are finding the book of Daniel uh, to be a powerful and encouraging and challenging uh, uh, word for you in this uh, turbulent season we're going through. I have to say that it is the same for me. Uh, I, have, uh, I have been uh, greatly encouraged by the book of Daniel. And, you know, as we study it together, you and I are learning a lot about uh, how to be a follower of Jesus in a culture that is largely hostile uh, to Jesus. And so this morning, what I want to do is, is look at three principles from this text that, that uh, inform how we follow Jesus in a hostile culture. There's a lot more here than, than what I'm going to say, but for the interest of time, I'm going to only do these three principles, okay? Principle number one, as a follower of Jesus, you are to be in the world, but the world is not to be in you. You are to be in the world, but the world is not to be in you. You know, da da Daniel is deeply engaged in his world, isn't he? Uh, he, he holds high political office. Uh, he uh, is close to the king. His job is to protect the king from loss, and he is doing it well. He works diligently, competently, and honestly. In fact, he works so well that he... Uh, garners the respect of the king, he, uh, he gets promoted, uh, and he gets, uh, he gets to be on the receiving end of professional jealousy of his colleagues, all right? Well, that's, of course, not how the Jews started when they first were carted off in defeat uh, to Babylon, right? Do you remember they, uh, it, when they first came to Babylon, brought there in chains, they set themselves against the culture, right? They didn't engage the culture. In fact, they, they opposed it and prayed against it. 
They tried to build their own little Jewish silo within the Babylonian Empire. And that, of course, is, is still a powerful temptation for us, isn't it? You can, the Amish, for example, would be, a, would be an obvious example of, of that kind of temptation to sort of silo yourself off from, uh, from, from the culture. Um, uh, we see it uh, happening today as, as, uh, as Christians, uh, many Christians migrate to, to, to more spiritually friendly places. Jeremiah got wind of what they were doing, right? The great prophet Jeremiah, who was still back in Jerusalem, and he sent that letter to them that we read. It's in, recorded in Jeremiah 29. He sent a letter to the captives in Babylon, um, and, and he ordered them uh, in the name of the Lord and speaking for the Lord uh, to, and, and here's how he closes his letter, seek the welfare of the city where I have sent you into exile and pray to the Lord on its behalf for in its welfare you will find your welfare. So what we see here is Daniel taking uh, the command of God received through Jeremiah seriously and we should too as followers of Jesus in our culture, uh, in, in a hostile culture. We are to engage, right? Not run away or separate from it. I mean, here we can learn, can't we, from our, our Jewish brother, President Zelensky. And there was that rumor going around a couple of days ago that he had left, that he had uh, uh, abandoned the city. Uh, and so he does that selfie. Right, which you probably uh, many of you have seen, where where he's and he says, "We are here. I am with you, and I'm going to be with you." And when President, our President, President Biden, uh, offered him safe passage out of Ukraine, you know what President Zelensky uh, replied, right? The battle is here. I don't need a ride. I need ammunition. You know, that same kind of spirit needs to be ours, right? As we engage our culture, we don't run away, we don't separate, we rub shoulders with people who don't agree with us, we love them, we pray for them, we be a blessing to them, right? We don't shoot them. We're Christians, we fight with different weapons, right? We bring the gospel, we bring prayer, we bring peace, we bring you know, physical help. That means, friends, that each of you is in full-time Christian service. Where, wherever the Lord has uh, deployed you in our culture, whether that's in government or school or the arts or in business or your neighborhood, you know, it's not the pastors or the missionaries. I, I, one guy in my uh, accountability group that I can't get off the notion that, you know, he, he thinks I'm the one that's really doing God's work because I'm a pastor. And I, listen, it's not the pastors or the missionaries that are, that are really doing God's work. That's nonsense. You are. 
like the salt that Jesus says you are. Rub yourself, right, into the meat of the world where you need to be. Like the light that Jesus says you are, go into the darkness and light it up. We're called to to be what we are, salt and light. We need to come in and engage our culture to preserve it, to spice it up, to lighten it up, to make it better. God has blessed you to be a blessing to others. Now that's the in the world part of this principle, right? As a follower of Jesus, you are to be in the world, but you're to do this in such a way that the world doesn't get into you. And that's difficult. And this, is, this requires wisdom. It requires intentionality. It requires thought and a lot of prayer, right? Um, how, you know, we need to engage and engage deeply, but we're not to engage in such a way that we get assimilated. Right? You are, you're to engage, but never lose your identity uh, as a son or daughter of the living God, as a blood-bought follower of Jesus. Do people know you're a Christian? Yeah, I have to honestly say, looking back over my, the stretch of my career, there have been times when I, I have erred more on, on this side of assimilation. I was engaging in such a way that my Christian identity was being uh, compromised. Do people know you're a Christian? Yeah, Daniel didn't assimilate, right? He was as deeply engaged as he was in the culture, as successful as he was in that enemy culture, a culture that was not friendly uh, to his God. His higher allegiance was always to the Lord and, and the people around him knew it. And we know they knew it because that's how they got him, right? So he, which, you know, and so what did he do? What was his normal practice? He didn't do anything different after Darius signed this law. He, he continued to do what he was doing every day, which was praying every day, three times a day, towards Jerusalem, um, even when the law said he couldn't, he kept doing that, right? Even when now there would be a high personal cost to doing it, uh, he, kept, uh, he kept staying true uh, to God. You know, there are always, uh, and we've talked about these a lot in the last couple of years, right? There are biblical guardrails on our, on our engagement with the culture. Um, you know, if, if, the, if the culture, the world would re- require something of you that would require you to disobey a command of God, like Daniel, you know, not being able to pray to the Lord but having to pray to Darius, that's, he can't do that, uh, right? That's, uh, in, in that situation, you know, engagement ceases, you, you are to obey God rather than the world. And while that decision may cost you a lot, it, it, friends, it is always the right and the wise move. Um, why? Because, because you're staying true to 
the God who is sovereign, who is in control, who is the king of kings, and, 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 and every other human leader, even the best of human leaders, by comparison uh, to the Lord, are weak, uh, able to be duped, um, hand-wringing, often ineffective, and ultimately powerless when it really matters. Right? Darius is a textbook example. Right? He's, he's, he's was duped by, by his, uh, his uh, men in his administration. Uh, he, he couldn't, uh, he, he, you know, legislated himself into a corner. Uh, and when it push came to shove, he couldn't do anything to save Daniel. Darius, the most powerful man in the world, could do nothing for Daniel except throw him into the lion's den and wish him well and hope that his God would uh, save him. Right. So, so who's wiser, right? The person who is ultimately trusting in a nation or a political system or a politician or the person trusting in God. Friends, the answer is obvious. So the principle, right? We are to be in the world, but the world is not to be in you. Principle number two, uh, as a follower of Jesus, you do not avoid suffering. Uh, you are assigned suffering. It's a sobering word, but a, but a true one. Um, Paul said it this way in Philippians 1.29, for it has been granted to you it has been granted to you that for the sake of Christ, you should not only believe in him, but also suffer for his sake. And that was not just for the Philippian Christians. That's, that's true for you and me. It's been granted to us to believe, to have faith, but it has also been granted to us to suffer for the name of Jesus. And that's why Peter said, you and I shouldn't be surprised when we suffer. It's our assignment. Now the question, you might ask the question, well, why does it have to be that way, right? And, and Jesus explained it, right? He said, if the world hates you, know that it hated me before it hated you. If you were of the world, right? If you, you, if you allowed yourself to be completely assimilated, if you were of the world, the world would love you as its own. But because you are not of the world, but I chose you out of the world, therefore the world hates you. See that as a Christian, you are, even though you are deeply engaged in the world, you are ultimately, because of Jesus, ultimately an outsider. You've been called out of the world. There's just an inherent suspicion and dislike of outsiders. And you will always be an outsider. Right? No matter how deeply you engage, you'll always be an outsider because Jesus chose you out of the world to be his emissary to the world. Right? And that's why you experience affliction and suffering. But notice... Notice the, you know, Daniel here is the model for suffering because uh, he, you know, his haters couldn't get anything on him because of his work, right? 
they, they tried to get him on his work performance, and he was too good. He was squeaky clean, too competent, too honest. So, so they were not able to oppose him and cause him to suffer because of his work. The only way they could cause him to suffer was what? It was his relationship to the Lord. It was his exercise. They, they got him on the exercise of his faith in the living God. And that should be our model as well, right? Let's, let's like Daniel, uh, engage... Um, engage... Uh, our culture, but let's endeavor to, as we do that, to make the only ground of offense our faith in the Lord Jesus, right? Don't let them get us on anything else. But the good news here is that it's not all opposition and hate, is it? And we see that even here. You know, sometimes as you live out your faith in Jesus Christ, uh, where God has placed you, you will earn respect from unbelievers. You will gain respect from unbelievers. And more importantly, the Lord will get respect and honor uh, through you from people who may not, who don't even know the Lord in a saving way. And, and sometimes, by God's grace and his power, uh, sometimes the Lord will even bring those unbelievers to saving faith who, who oppose you through the living out of your faith. Um, it's a long and beautiful story that I love to tell, but uh, the um, when I know back in 1996, when I notified my partners that I was resigning the, my law firm to pursue seminary studies, uh, th- th- these th- these partners who I was dealing with were were not believers, but they ultimately determined in, uh, to give my family a benefit under our partnership agreement that they did not have to give me. My my law firm elected to pay me for three years after I had resigned uh, a a percentage of what I would have made had I remained a partner uh, in my firm. They didn't know that uh, my seminary program was three years long. Um, and that payment uh, w- supported us, sort of supported me and my family for the three years I was in seminary. So in a very real way, friends, I'm standing here in part because God moved in the hearts of, of my unbelieving colleagues, right, who didn't know the Lord, and as far as I know, still don't know the Lord in a saving way. But they wanted to do something that would honor and respect Ted's God. And friends, I am proud of them for that, and I am grateful to them for that. And I'm grateful to the Lord and th- for what he did through them. You know, too often I think we, we tend to Think of unbelievers as our enemies. Friends, they're not our enemies. They're lost sheep. 
principle number three. So what are the principles, to, you know, get it, be in the world, but don't let the world be in you. Uh, don't avoid suffering. You are assigned suffering. Uh, and principle number three, and I'm riffing off the Psalms here, as a follower of Jesus, God is your helper. What can human beings do to you? Well, you might say, well, shoot, looking at the images coming out of uh, Ukraine, looking at the CCTV captures of, of violent crime in our own cities, you might say that uh, you know, human beings can do a lot to us, a lot of bad stuff to us, and you would be absolutely right. Uh, and this event is not recorded in Daniel here uh, to teach you that God is somehow going to save you uh, from death. That's not the lesson here, that, 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 that God will save you from death. The, the, this is recorded to show you that God will save you through death. Big difference. Right? Notice that Daniel is not saved from the lion's den. Uh, he, he's thrown into the lion's den. Right, into to, to certain death. I mean, what happened to his enemies, right? Being eaten before they even hit the floor uh, is what would have been absolutely expected, right? Uh, so he's thrown in. It's certain death. Um, and, and yet when he came out, no kind of harm was found on him, verse 23, right? He was saved through the lion's den. How? How was he saved through the lion's den? Same way Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego were saved through the fiery furnace, right? God sent his angel in, in, into the fiery furnace, into the reeking lion's den. And that angel happens to be the lion of the tribe of Judah. Jesus, Jesus the Christ. This is yet another pre-Christmas appearing of the pre-existing Jesus. This event should ring bells for you, right? As we, as we read it, you've got a reluctant, morally weak king forced to do an, a, 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 an execution he didn't want. You've got a godly man who has done no harm being convicted and executed on trumped up charges. You've got a stone rolled across the entrance of the, of the den, which is then sealed by the state. You've got a man miraculously emerging out of death into life. Right? Friends, this isn't ultimately about Daniel. Right? It's ultimately about Jesus. At the lion's den, just like at the fiery furnace, God made visible what invisibly happens to you when you die, trusting in the lion of the tribe of Judah. Because that lion, Jesus, lived the, lived the law-satisfying life for you, died the divine penalty-paying death for you, uh, and then was vindicated in that by being raised from the dead, you too, you too, will not have any kind of harm on you on the other side of death. 
We just, we can't see that right now, right? Those are, those are spiritual realities that are invisible to our eyes right now. But, you know, we were here yesterday for the for memorial service for Pete. Um, you know, the uniform testimony of the Bible is that um, even though we miss Pete and he is absent from us, that he is alive on the other side of death and there is no kind of harm on him. We don't see that right now, but by God's grace, he gave us these two events, the fiery furnace and the lion's den, to show us what's happening. And because that's true, right, we can now engage our culture without fear. It's why we can endure uh, any sort of suffering or affliction that may be thrown at us and look for that to ramp up. You know, if God has removed the stinger from death, then, then listen, friends, we don't have to fear any lesser sufferings or afflictions, right? We can deal with mean words or we can deal with executions. It's okay. We're saved through death, and that means we're freed. We're freed, you and I, to love radically, to speak truthfully, to engage deeply. Why? Because God is our helper. What can human beings do to us? Amen? Amen. Let's pray. Lord, um, Thank you for the witness of Daniel to your power and to your grace that saves us through death. Lord, we're living in a world right now where a, a number of our Christian brothers and sisters all around the world and, and are every day facing that reality of, of being, having to be saved through death. And the spotlight right now is on our brothers and sisters in the Ukraine. Lord, we pray for them, that you would save them through death. Show them and show us that, that, what, seem, that what may seem so weak, right? As we, as Christians, engage our culture, whether it's, whether it's in Kiev or whether it's in San Diego, Lord, our tools sometimes seem weak and, and hopeless against a much more powerful foe. But we know that's not true. We, we know that, uh, that our weapons, Lord, will ultimately win and carry the day. The gospel will win. The gates of hell uh, cannot withstand the force of the gospel. So help us. Help us to engage lovingly, meaningfully, bravely. Help us to get our hands dirty. Lord, not be afraid of associating with, with people we might not otherwise associate with. Help us to be more like you, Jesus. 
and Daniel as, it, as we just rub ourselves like salt into, into parts of our world that need preserving. As we bring light into, into moral darkness and physical darkness, Lord, we help us, help us do that. And as we do it, Lord, I pray that, that Jesus will be lifted up and that people will be saved. That people will come and confess like Darius and, and, and Nebuchadnezzar. So thank you. Thank you for all these things, Lord. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. You've been listening to Ted Hamilton, Senior Pastor of New Life Presbyterian Church, Escondido. Please visit us in Escondido, California, or online at newlifepca.com. New Life Presbyterian Church Escondido reserves all copyrights as applicable by law. Thank you for listening.